Welcome to the Music Talk podcast with me, Graham Farmer. In this series of conversations, I interview some of the biggest artists, DJs, and producers in the world. I hope you enjoy this series. Let's get into it. Hey, Steve. Hey, Graham. Welcome to welcome to Twitch. Welcome to my welcome to my disco shed in my garden. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm good. I'm good. You? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm excited for this stream. It's um, I feel like I feel like we've covered I've covered you loads on Data Transmission, and I've got, we've done so much with the label over the years. And it's like it's always nice when you can kind of say hello to somebody and put their face to an email and like generally just kind of you know like a virtual little hug, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, how how are you? How's how's how has the last eighteen months been for you? Like. Um, quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I I think, I mean, I think, uh, we heard this a lot from other DJs that in the beginning, you know, it it felt like an unwanted break and very, uh, in a way, um, very positive and welcome, uh, Mm -hmm. for some, for, for some weeks. And then, um, you know, all the, all the, uh, the not touring and and uh, having a bit sores of how is this uh, gonna turn out in the end and how long it's all gonna take and I pretty much had a very early vision of it might take uh, at least four or five years to totally get back to what it was before um, I've been touring the world before and uh, still like some countries still don't have the vaccine and it's gonna take forever for them to reopen the clubs and whatever. Um, so yeah, I knew it's going to take a long time, but, um, I focused, uh, on being in the studio and enjoyed it very much, uh, to be honest, um, been working a lot of uh, new music and, uh, yeah, so I, I kind of enjoyed it, uh, but of course missing the touring part and also, uh, missing seeing, you know, crowds and playing for crowds and, uh, yeah, and just uh, simply being able to hear music out loud in in the public, and not in my own studio all the time. <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet. Um, and then, and then we've just been listening to a large part of your the album you released in November. Did you was that a, was that a lockdown produced album? Did you or did you start it beforehand? Yes. Yeah, and I think you can you can hear it's it's kind of uh, melancholic uh, <laughs> at some parts, and uh, I mean uh, I always loved uh, the melancholic uh, music, anyways. But uh, I think this album, without you know being touring all the time and not coming back from the weekend, having you know the the club vibe in 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 your mind, and it it it. Uh, it kind of um, so it, it kind of gave me the freedom to write uh, other sort of music, and uh, I was really enjoying the process. It was also the last album produced in my um, last uh, studio, um, which is you know like uh, fourteen years uh, in the same place. Um, it's been a huge place, but with a ever rising uh, rents in Berlin and my contract ran out and I just I just was I didn't want to pay it anymore they want uh, they wanted almost as uh, triple as much as it used to be yeah it, it's it's ridiculous it's seriously ridiculous but there's no like the there's a rent control for apartments but not for business places so I was like okay I happily leave this and uh, move into a smaller place and uh I think you know it's always great to to uh, change location at some point, and I, I felt way more creative afterwards, uh, to be honest. Uh, but 
I'm also happy to have finished the fifth, 14 years with the with the album, the um, Never Ending Winding Roads. We've just been listening to loads of it, um, and some people in the chat have, have kind of never kind of heard you before. They, they, they're hearing hearing you and it for the first time, which is amazing. I love that. Um, yeah. So you 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 down did you downsize your studio? Like, let's can we just talk through? Like, are you hardware software? What's what's been your kind of how how do what do you produce him? Yeah, I mean, I I I still have a lot of hardware. Um, I let go of a few sins and um, some outboard gear that was just you know like being in the racks for like a long time unused. And uh, <laughs> so I always thought of you know getting rid of some stuff. And you know like um, I'm more of a minimal person. I I like to surround myself with not too much stuff that I don't use. And uh, it's been quite difficult because I'm also sort of a collector. So I've been collecting records and synthesizers for so many years. Uh, But yeah, definitely at one point I was like, why, why should I keep all this stuff? So I downsized not only um, the, the, the size of the room. I mean, you can kind of see i know you can't it's because it's a different uh, angle on the oh, yeah, on yeah. the chat um yeah so um yeah it's a much smaller space um but i managed uh to find a solution to um i have some keyboard drawers for example that helped me save a lot of space uh if you check my instagram you can probably scroll down and find it some somewhere um <laughs> But uh, yeah, because a lot of people ask me like uh, for these, and uh, it's quite uh, it's been quite funny because a lot of people try to find solutions for smaller studios these days. I think uh, I think that I mean in general the times like when when record sales are not basically not existing anymore, and and even like uh, download sales are like uh, going down all the time, and the income from producing music, uh, I think it's kind of you know the time where people move back to smaller studios and. Uh, unless they work uh, in production or like mixing other people or whatever whatever you know they they do in their studio but just to write some music especially as a D- as a touring dj um it, it i don't see the point of like having a huge studio also software mm. got so much better so you can write music pretty much everywhere yeah cool okay yes i can see we well, yeah, i can i can see on the little one on the little preview where you, you're it's kind of yeah. yeah we'll look, look, yeah. look on his Instagram. It looks cool. Um, yeah. So then, yeah. So you started writing this album in lockdown. Like, we could just kind of just sort of where? Like, did you? Was it a much slower process? Did you give yourself more time? How? How? How did you? How do? You, like, let's start with the start. How do you even start an album? For first and foremost, where do you start? And um, pretty much. All the all the six or seven albums uh, I wrote ha- happened the same way. It's just like um, I, I it was in a time where I was like super creative, like having many ideas lying around, and then when you listen to these ideas, and then you realize they kind of have like a similarity and in sound, even though they different from the groove. And but there's something that kind of you know because they they all uh, came together in a certain period uh, of your mind state or whatever. And, um, and yeah, then, then you have suddenly you have six tracks and you're like, wait a minute, I have these six tracks. They would make an album. And uh, if I write a few more, um, then, you know, I, I, I have like eight to 10 tracks or whatever together. And especially if you already have some tracks that you feel like they're strong uh, already, then uh, you don't have to 
to write the strong tracks at the end. It's definitely helpful. I can recommend this for everyone. <laughs> and so I, usually I never I never sit down and, and think like, oh, I have to write an album or I want to write an album. It just it just happens to have uh, for me to have a lot of tracks um, being almost finished that kind of, you know, are suitable together as an album project. And then I, I write a few more tracks and then, um, I choose from all these tracks, the, the ones that I, I, I like the best and I think works the, the best on the, on the album feature. Nice. Okay, cool. Um, and then, so yeah, so this album, you literally happened last year, which was good. Um, there's a, there's a whole range of music in that album. Like, was that was that kind of the goal, or like you said, you just picked tracks um, as you make as you kind of made a load of tracks and um, and then picked from? Was was that kind of the goal when you were picking those tracks to kind of go? I want it to kind of bend and twist all over the place, or yeah, I mean, I I uh, in all my albums, I like to you know like I, I I don't sit here and write like the same track like ten times and and release it, or like even on my EPs, I always try to. I always try to make tracks that sound different from the one before and um I never liked albums that I like unless it's like a very concept album um that uses a very few sounds and and and, and that's what the main idea is to have like a long basically one track kind of album you know it also mm -hmm. makes sense but for me also it always it was diff uh very important to have like various styles and it's a it's also producing the album it's like a playground um for myself you know like trying to experiment with other grooves and other sounds and um you you finally have the freedom to experiment with stuff uh, because you don't have to have like 10 tracks that have to work uh on the dance floor it's it's a good format i think and uh it's unfortunately very underrated these days and it's, it's very difficult to promote or like uh, to to bring to the people because you know like all the streaming platforms only would take one track out of it and uh and yeah it's kind of a, it's kind of a dying format but i kind of like it because it gives you a better idea of what the artist is about and and uh and uh, yeah it's not only about you know like their main functional tracks especially when it when we're talking about dj stuff mm. um it's i think it's great to see other sides from these kind of producers and uh it's becoming more and more difficult to release kind of music that's not like functional in the first place and uh, yeah i think this is why i really like albums but um yeah i i wrote i wrote a bunch of tracks and i i i, I saw it like i still think like they're all sound wise they kind of it's like a one piece even though they're all different but it's to me at least uh, maybe for others it, it they they uh, have a, a different uh, perception uh, mm -hmm. they probably do um, but yeah for for me it's like this is yeah as it, from to me it turns out as one piece even though it's mm -hmm. different different styles and and different grooves they all have like a sort of connection sound wise for me yeah, that's cool. I get it. I get it. That's really cool. Um, yeah, they're all they sound love like when you're listening to them now, like so warm and like they're they're so nice. Like like you're saying, like it flows lovely. Like yeah, well done first of all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I I heard a quote. I read a quote the other day that was like when you're saying about albums and singles, and I read a quote that was like singles for the for the Spotify algorithm and and EPs for the EPs for the fans and kind of just releasing them as interspersed so that you kind of 
your audience grows with it, you know? Yeah, exactly. I guess having your own label allows you to kind of do that more. You can control what you're putting out, I guess. Uh, and Poker Flat celebrated 20 years in 2019. Yeah, exactly. Congratulations. Um, yeah. yeah. We celebrated this with a bunch of remixes, which started as an idea of having a few of our favorite artists uh, releasing some of our of their favorites from the past. And yep. uh, but then so many people even got in touch when we started releasing the first. Hey, can I also do a remix and blah blah blah? And so it all we basically celebrated more than two years. Um, so maybe even already, yeah, what's the twenty one? Yeah, two two years, mm -hmm. uh, two two years and a half. And finally, I'm I'm quite happy that that this celebration is over because this you know is always <laughs> looking back at what was before and I'm. I'm more of a person who likes to look what's ahead instead of looking back, even though, you know, sometimes it makes sense, but uh, it just turned out to be slightly too long for my taste. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you know, do you know, I'm, I'm very similar. I'm like, I like, I like a little nod back and I'm always, but I'm always like, like you say, like, I want to hear something new. What's new? What's, what's, what can I hear that's, well, how has it developed? Yeah. I love that. How did the label fare during the last 18 months? Did you, carry on releasing as normal did you change stuff um were you affected yeah i think we we all uh been affected and um we we kept releasing music because we thought you know like it's it's mostly dance music that we release it also kind of you know gives people uh, the i think people still have the chance to listen to it at home it's not like banging techno which is kind of also, people listen to it at home, but you know, in a, if you're like having lunch or something or like dinner, you don't want to have a banging uh, kick drum in your <laughs> in your head. And uh, so, um, yeah, we decided to keep on releasing. Um, so also because, especially at these times, I personally thought that um, it's great to have new music for the people out there. You know, that can't go out, that sit at home, and you know, they they probably. Been, been having more time than ever to look for new music and uh, probably it's helping them more than ever before and maybe shaking a leg at home or something to, to the new <laughs> tracks and, and that's why, why, um, why we decided to continue and gladly we had artists also sending stuff over this period uh, because um, I know that a lot of artists kept their or saved their tracks um, for when the clubs reopened. In a way, it's kind of, you know, it's a shame that uh, we have released so much music over this one and a half year and it's maybe never really been played in clubs because it's already a lot of new music every week. And uh, But on the other hand, luckily we... Um, I think the music that we release, it's mostly uh, playable for a very long time. And even looking at the back catalog for the 20 years anniversary, I was wondering like how many tracks still sound kind of fresh and uh, still like uh, playable very well. And I do play some of these uh, in, in my sets once in a while. And uh, so, yeah, maybe, you know, in two, three, four years, people recovering it or... It's still like I mean, it, it, when I when I played my first uh, my first sets, even though I've I've kept on buying new music all the time and and been checking for uh, demos maybe even more than before because I had uh, a promo sorry not demos because I had more time at hand and um, 
Yeah, I, I when I play, I just don't play only the newest stuff. I also go back for a year because I know that the tracks have never been played out, and, and uh, so it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, to start DJ playing out now must be like a. It must be like where like going through your catalog from the last few years must be like a. a where do I start from a set? It's like you start yeah. building. Like, like you must have a, like going to your, like your crate and you're like flip I've got so many tracks where do I what am I going to play like it must be yeah. nice but also it, hell you know yeah exactly and the, and the worst part was the first the, the first two shows like you you have basically no feedback to any track you played you never played them to any crowd before <laughs> so you don't know any crowd you, usually you have a new track once a week or a few tracks once a week you know and then uh, but you have all this stuff that you can you can go back to that, and that you know the response from crowds from weeks before or weekends before or gigs before so you know if the, you play this track then you know like the, the, the crowd's gonna go nuts or they this is not working or this is working very well and this is good for transition from here to there all this kind of information the crowd feedback wasn't there at all you know i mean it was there when you when you played it but you didn't have anything you could uh look back on so it was kind of a it was kind of a strange um strange experience to play everything uh without knowing any without having any back information about what the crowd might be uh reacting to yeah that must be mad i was just thinking then as well like when you're obviously you when you're putting tracks out you would be then going and playing them out and and you'd be getting that track feedback as you're releasing music normally you you i guess the plan would be release then you would be playing it and getting more feedback and then depending on whether that feedback was what that feedback was you would be then maybe increasing the promotion around certain music yeah i guess that wouldn't have happened last year and you wouldn't know you'd only be able to see sort of streaming streaming metrics or, or, or purchasing metrics like how did that work like yeah, it's it's. I mean, I, I did some I did some streams uh, in between, and I did some podcasts. I started a podcast uh, series called Steve Buck Presents Play. It was originally a party series I've been doing in Berlin, inviting like some of my befriended DJs, but also artists that uh, I personally uh, would go to uh, and listen to. And, you know, like uh, bring them all together in one night uh, at the Ipsa Club in Berlin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, then I played a few streams. But, of course, the the, the, the feedback is not, not directly there. That the, the one that you usually have, like when you play uh, tracks out in the club. and, and uh, But then with experience, I think you kind of have this knowledge that you already know in which direction it might might go. That's cool. Uh, and just before lockdown, you started a new label, Sublease. Yes, exactly. What was the What was the plan behind that? Because you released you released from you had releases from Kelly Allen. Oh, Kelly Allen's my good friend. Uh, and Manic, who I absolutely love, Manic. Yeah, Manic, Timmy P, um, Burak from Switzerland, uh, Steve Kelly, and, and many others. And um, it's still a small label. Um, I mean, it's becoming more and more difficult to come up with new labels uh, these days because uh, with the digital process is quite hard to get through all the other uh, releases that have been released that same week mm. and uh, and I really like the sound that we're releasing there it's more it's it's more like track based in a way um, rather simple grooves uh, not so 
uh, outproduced like uh, simpler arrangements than than the stuff that we have on on poker flat right now. It's more like a bit. Uh, it's a bit more tracky, very housey stuff. Uh, Manic was a bit acid um, oh. influenced, and uh, yeah, great stuff. It's fun. It's fun um to start something new and you know uh and give a base a home base for a new artists and um so yeah let's see how this goes ah oh, manic and acid that sounds like absolute heaven like i need to go and hear this record after this stream i think like yeah <laughs> you should <laughs> that's a, that's a, that sounds like heaven to me i, I love that pretty manic as a producer <laughs> i think it's great uh and manic and acid wow great um yeah I, just let's I just thought we'd just touch on how you sign music like what do you look for what's the process what sort of artists do you sign um and like do you sign new artists do you sign what what is it what your what is your thinking behind them yeah we do sign new artists um as we did for poker flat Auxilio yo um was like a, a producer I um I discovered by doing a track feedback uh, for um sign uh where I, where I did my master class and mm. he actually uh put one of his tracks uh, into the into the show and I kind of really liked it and I was like hey this track is really cool blah blah and he's like actually it's my track and uh so um yeah we do sign uh, tracks from new people i think the problem is that over the years i used to have like a wednesdays uh, was my um day for listening to new demos um and i uh yeah i got cds sent from the office uh and then i listened to them um once a week and uh, then they became so many that it was impossible to listen to then also links came in and uh, so, like someone in the office uh, pre-checked it and then sent it over the ones that that were like kind of uh, worth checking out. Um, also, uh, because many people send music that has nothing to do with the music they release at all. It was just weirdest, <laughs> weirdest music. Uh, that I don't, I don't know it, why why they thought they sent it to us. It's probably the time where you know, like everybody's just sent their music to every label seeing yeah like uh, if someone you know gets back to them um yeah so it got impossible to listen to all the the demos and um which is a shame because i know that we're missing out on new artists but it's just it's just there's no way to cope with it and um so i decided for a while to um to get in touch with people that i uh that I personally enjoyed uh, playing out and uh, also smaller artists that I discovered for myself and or just by charting music, people get in touch with you saying like, hey, I saw you charted my track, blah, blah, blah. And then you start talking and you say, if you ever want to send over a demo, please, uh, you know, I have, uh, I have years for it. And um, yeah, that's basically how it, how it has been over the past few years that uh, many people send us demos, luckily, that we very liked, uh, that we liked very much. Also artists we never uh, expected to send over uh, demos, um, which is great. So the label is still like in, in people's minds. Mm. And uh, but yeah, for younger artists, I wish there was a way um, to uh, discover the ones that are suitable but uh, i always recommend people to get in touch when you're touring or 
um, at least say hello and blah, 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 and then send a message via the social media and see if, 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 if you, if you get it, because it's also on social media is so much, uh, mails coming in, uh, every day that, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, uh, to pick out the, the good ones. Cool. Okay. Well, you heard that gang. That's how you need to do it. You need to get into, just, just keep going. You won't get there. Um, let's talk. You've got a brand new single out. Should we listen to Can we listen to it? We can listen to it. There we go. So that was uh, the new single called Montafon. 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 Thank you. Apologies. Yeah, it's it's a, it's an area in uh, Austria uh, that I used to hike two years ago, and uh, the track kind of to me has this kind of vibe that I had over there. It's like a yeah. So, uh, Loft guys in the chat says sounding nice. So, sounds like some nice onboard outboard gear used for this track. Is there? Yeah, there is the baseline. Is a Mook baseline, uh, the Mini Mook, and uh, some other stuff. But there are also some plugins in there. Um, I think yeah, as I said before, there's some there's some great plugins these days. So they 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 sound so much better than they used in the beginning, and uh, it's kind of it's kind of also inspirational. To have all these opportunities now, and and it, working in the box has one big advantage to me. It's like um, you can't you you can't have all the effects that you have like in in the box, you know. Like and you can just uh, easily put them on the channel and get from one effect to the other. I can do this with the outboard gear, but I have I don't have all these expensive effect machines. I have a few, but. Uh, I think especially effect routing and, and, and choosing the right effect is, is so much nicer in the box. And uh, so, um, yeah, but I record uh, the hardware and then process uh, in the box, but I also have like some upboard uh, compression and stuff, um, which helps, uh, which helps makes it sound uh, more analog than, than just uh, having everything in the box. I like the combination of both, uh, to be honest. That's cool. That's really cool. I wanted to talk about bouldering. I hear you're yeah. a fan. I hear you're a fan <laughs> of climbing. Yeah. Matt, I watched that at the Olympics, those kind of spider climbers. At the, that was insane, first and foremost. 
Um, so let's talk about that because obviously, uh, staying fit for me is I, I'm so fan, so a fan of staying fit and kind of healthy, and it's definitely helped my mental strength and kind of just my 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 day to day processing. So I'd love to hear from you about it and. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been doing sports uh, my whole life. I always like, uh, I always found something uh, for a few years that I was doing. I was running for quite some years, um, at least ten to fifteen k um, three times a week. And uh, but since I'm a skinny guy already, like running didn't really help, like bulking up or anything. And no, I don't. I don't want to be like a big bulky guy or something. And I don't do sports to look like something i do sports because i actually enjoy it and uh we had a time where we've been playing beach volleyball with like some djs uh nice. basically never we never got really good at it but uh we had fun you know that i think that's that's the to me that's the most important thing when doing sports it's about like enjoying it and, and having a break from everything else that you do um and with bouldering, um, I, I, I really like the fact that once you're entering the gym, um, you basically forget about everything, uh, that you were doing before or that you, any troubles you had in the week. Some, it's kind of the feeling that, that you have when you go to a club, you know, and you listen to music, go on a dance floor and just nowadays people have their phones. So it's, it's not the same. It's not the same disconnection anymore. I mean, you can, you, you can have it without your phone, but like, that's why I, I really uh, would recommend people to go to clubs and leave their phone at home or just turn it off the, the, while you're in the club just because you enjoy, enjoy it much more and you can let go of yourself much better. Um, so, yeah, bouldering, uh, it's, it did this to me. Like uh, when I'm running... Um, which I still do sometimes, but not the, not the not the long not the long distance anymore. Um, I was um, it's like I take thirty minutes of full process of thinking. What was is like so to calm down, like to to get to get the head free. It took thirty minutes of running already, and uh, with bouldering, as I said, it's just like you you walk in there. You, you change and then you start climbing and you look at the first route and it's already like, okay, how do I get up there? I mean, in the beginning, warming up is, is slightly different, but still you have to 100% concentrate on what you're doing. Otherwise you're falling and uh, <laughs> you're going to hurt yourself. So, so it's, it's really, it's really helpful to do, to do that. And luckily I had the chance uh, to do it outdoors already as well. And, um, we Berlin. We still have like a three-hour drive to to get to um, to the east part of Germany, where this is the next uh, the closest bouldering area in the forest. And uh, yeah, that's a that's a whole different different thing. And and uh, but I, I like both I like both ways. And uh, also started climbing, rope climbing. Then a few years back, and I'm doing the uh, both uh, climbing since uh, rope climbing three years and bouldering for six years. And uh, as you said, I can highly recommend uh, to anyone to at least try it. You know, it might not be for everyone, but uh, I think, you know, if you not try, you're never going to find out if it's for you. And uh, the community is also great. I think that's something that I also um, appreciate about it uh, very much. It's really cool people. Um, it's kind of a surfer guy, <laughs> surfer, yeah. surfer, surfer vibe, you know, and, um, yeah, the, uh, it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's cool, cool uh, peeps, girls and guys, and uh, that's also, cool. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm a runner too. I run, I've uh, I've been running a lot. Um, I'm doing this mad medal basically. It started at the beginning of January. And it's it's from basically a virtual medal from from the bottom of England to the top of England, like from Lands End to John Gross. It's like 1,407 kilometers. I know what you're saying when you're saying it takes half an hour to kind of get that mental just freeness. Yeah. Uh, and and I've just started swimming as well. And I, and again, like you say, swimming is the same for me. I literally switch off the minute I start swimming because you, you're going to drown otherwise you need to focus on what you're doing like yeah yeah, yeah. so I hear yeah, you with that yeah it's it's for me it's funny I, I also used to swim like for some years to doing 2k's like uh three times a week and uh but for me finally it was the same with swimming it took like at least 15-20 minutes I, I kind of uh it was kind of a I don't know different different thing I didn't have to concentrate so much on it uh so I don't know, but maybe I'm a natural swimmer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm my man. I'm I'm so bad at. I literally was like, literally could do like two length, three two lengths, and I was just like, after running so much, I was just like, this is terrible. I might, I'm terrible at swimming. Like, slowly it's getting better, but Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about doing a triathlon next year, so we'll see where that goes. But we'll see. But yeah, I did some I did some bouldering in New Zealand. Uh, like my friends lived in the South Island, and they were like, "Come and do some bouldering," and we're like, "What the hell?" Okay, let's do it. And we were like out there climbing these random rocks in the middle of nowhere. We're like, oh, I was terrible at it, but yeah, it's, it was fun. No, but I yeah, mean. I mean, that's that's in the beginning. Like everyone is terrible. That's a, that's the thing. That's that's something I really like about the community. Is like when when you start i mean the not the first weeks but when you kind of when they see you coming back all the time you know they kind of start to appreciate you being becoming a climber and you know they <laughs> they also help you out you know like when you when you have a have an issue and you're not able to climb a certain a certain route then they gonna give you advice and and uh, it's not like uh, they, there's no I mean there's a, there's a few big egos but it's mostly you know people helping each other and also applauding to someone who's like uh, two levels below them because they see they how they struggle and it's like it's about the getting better and 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 uh, and accomplishing what 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 is you know what is your grade you know it's not like that you have to be the same climbing the same grade than anyone else to be cool or like to be a part of it so that's what i really like about it that's very cool. inclusive yeah. that's cool i, I like that uh, i might have, i might be doing that next then that sounds fun <laughs> <laughs> i'll go and find some bouldering around here um finally i thought i would get i know i've heard you're very opinionated on on the on the German government support for Axe and the road to recovery, I thought I'd kind of get your your opinions on on what's been going on in your country for over the last eighteen months. Um, yeah, the yeah, the, it's it's a funny it's a funny thing. They they always always say they um they uh, make this this uh, huge amount of money available for people to get it, but then. Um, they may is it is the English word hurdles? Yes, hurdles. Yes. Yeah. There, there are so many hurdles for many people that it's really hard to get to this to get this money. There, there has been a one fast payment in certain areas of Germany, not in all, uh, not in all cities and not in all areas. Mm. For some, it was really difficult. In some areas, you could use this money also to buy some food. In others, you could only use it for your business. And um, as long as I had the studio, for example, I could get like uh, some money at least to get help payments uh, to do the payments in the studio. 
Um, but especially for um, for the light guys or, you know, like all the other stuff that working at the club, it was very difficult because they basically, they, they don't need a studio. They don't need any sort of office. They uh, For everyone who, who's running a business on, on their own, um, they don't need an office, you know, like small, small companies or one, one person companies. Uh, they only need a laptop, and they they couldn't get any money from the government because uh, so. And I I think the clubs have been have been okay at least from what I heard. They got uh, good support from the government, which is uh, which is a fine thing. But yeah, my fear is that now, like the the time where like you know um, people are opening up the clubs again, and uh, but then Berlin is basically filling up the clubs with a lot of tours that are coming in every weekend to party here. And uh, I don't think that um, Berlin clubs, uh, all of them could fill up with just Berliners, uh, especially also because Berliners don't really want to pay entrance and they want to get in for free. They want to get <laughs> drinks for free because they know the bartenders. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's. I think we're going to see the the most complicated months for clubs to, to come over here, at least. I don't know, for the UK, it, it kind of looks like, you know, everything is open and people are kind of enjoying it and then, then they go back to the clubs and here's still some regulations, uh, night, uh, night clubs. So, so in the night, you can only open on a 2G. Uh, which is uh, getting uh, already having been through through a, a COVID infection or like being uh, vaccinated, and you can't get into the club just by being tested. Which is kind of I don't know. Yeah, it's like something I don't personally don't understand, but I'm not a, a, a <laughs> medical person, so maybe there there is some sense to it. I heard like you know it's because the tests are only short period of time that they. Uh, whatever so it's kind of complicated uh still that uh excluding some people from going out and and it's going to be yeah it's going to be a difficult time and i hope all clubs going to get through it. and i don't think the government now that clubs are open going to still support them you know it's probably going to be quite difficult yeah it seems to be over here that everything's open but yes you're right i think there were they were going to say they were trying to say that you had to be passports and I'm not sure. I, I kind of, I kind of not been. I've, I've not had mine until last. I didn't get my second job till last week, so I've kind of just stayed out of everything to do with that until I was, until I was kind of sort of sorted. I had, I got COVID at the end of July, and I just it wiped me out for a few weeks, and um, yeah. I just kind of stayed away from it all until, until, I, until I was sort of sorted. Um, we've got a few more minutes left. Wicked. Um, we've got three and a half thousand people watching now. Pick up those three and a half thousand people. Yeah, mad. Hey, <laughs> we've got a, got a small festival watching now. Hey, yeah, exactly. Festival. Yeah. <laughs> uh, welcome, Dubs Hills. Welcome, Ryan. Ryan, how are you doing? Ah, oh, DJ G Funk. I've been a huge fan of Steve Bug for music. The world needs to wake up and take his journey. Wow, there you go. The big love in the chat. Thank you. Okay, cool. Um, thank you, Steve, for joining us. Thank you for bearing through the technical yeah. issues. Yeah, um, thanks for staying with me. Thanks for having me also. <laughs> oh, hang on. We've got, apparently, we've got questions in the WhatsApp. Hang on. Let me just check the WhatsApp. Ah, two okay. six. We've got two six. Uh, nerdy question. As Steve, is a, as Steve is a vintage synth collector, what are Steve's favorite leads, bases, and pads? Wow, that's a big one. 
oh, bass definitely the MOOC. I have to say, um, took me quite some years to figure out that that uh, I do need a MOOC. I did have like a Studio Electronics SA1X, which is basically like a MOOC re replica, but it's kind of you know it's it's much much softer and warmer, uh, which is also very nice, uh, especially for you know like uh, rather some downbeat stuff. But yeah, the definitely the MOOC for bass. And then the Studio Electronics Omega 8, this is my, my favorite for pads and, and uh, stuff like that, like for warm, thick thick sounds. But also I have a Profit, uh, Profit 5 now, like, a, like the reissue, the Rev 4, um, which is only mono, so you have to do some, uh, put some a lot of effects on it, but the, the sound itself, it's so incredibly fat. That, yeah, this is just amazing. And for strings, I have to say, um, I wish, I wish I did, I do have, I did have, or I, I, I had a, a Mellotron. Um, I'm using a plugin for it um, because I think they, they just sound incredible. But uh, yeah, I don't have the piece of gear, so I do have a um, like for old school strings. I do have a D50 Roland D50, um, which is perfect for that. And um, of course, the Uno is always great for chords and 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 uh, and for strings as well. Yeah, they're agreeing with you. They're like, yeah, s the subsequent thirty-seven has powered every baseline for the last couple of months of my tracks. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah. Right. Cool. Let's let Steve go. It's three o'clock. Well, right, perfect. Welcome. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for bearing with us on the tech. Thanks. I'm glad for we got me, there. Yeah. Good fun. <laughs> Good to see you. You too.